I am really excited about this episode. So I recently spoke to Florida State University Gamma Phi Beta chapter. And before the event, we were, you know, nailing down what it would look like and everything. She said, could you just do like all about dating? And I'm like, can I ever, you know, this is like one of my favorite subjects. So I zoomed with Gamify Beta Chapter at Florida State University and we recorded it. So this is what this episode is going to be about. I'm going to open with just a little bit about the typical things I normally talk about as it relates to dating. And then we're going to get into some Q&A and mm, this is going to be a fun one. Hi, my name is Ava and this is your Truth For Your 20s podcast with Mama. Peace. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Most of this is going to be Q&A, but before we do that, I obviously want you to know who I am and a little bit about why I'm passionate about dating and some of the typical things I talk about when I talk to sororities, so you just kind of have an idea where this conversation is going to go. But as you said, my name is Katie. I host the Truth For Your 20s podcast, so pretty much everything I do has the passion to be who I needed when I was younger. And the person I was when I was younger was dating a lot of dirt bags, having no clue of my worth, thinking there was no good guys out there, but I was looking for the good guys while dancing on the table, taking tequila shots and shocking that I couldn't find the good guys and all kinds of other reckless decisions along the way. So met an incredible guy that I married when I was 24 and it kind of had this like well, there's a lot obviously that happened between all of that, but realized retrospectively that I was on the path I wanted to go. I said, I wanted to go here, but I was going in all these different directions. You know what I mean? And there's this book actually called the principle of the path. And I actually talk about that a lot, but you know, you guys are in Florida. I'm in Chattanooga. If I want to visit, I need to drive South, right? That no one argues that point. But when it comes to life, when it comes to, I want a healthy dating relationship, but I'm going to go all this way, like, you know, or simple things like I want to lose weight while chewing on a donut. I want to run a marathon, but I'm never going to buy running shoes. Like in our life, that isn't always so clear that where we want to go and the path that leads there isn't always so clear. So all a lot of stuff that came more clear to me once I got married and had kids. And now we have two daughters. So I'm very passionate about healthy dating and, you know, just the next generation of young women. All of that led me to write a ebook, which turned into an actual book, which turned into a speaking platform. So now I've had the opportunity to speak to over 50 colleges nationwide. And I talk about a lot of things. I talk about the trend setting power of sorority women. I talk about sisterhood talk about making a difference in your community and on your campus. But what I get the most feedback on and what I would talk about all day if I could is dating and healthy dating relationships. And I talk a lot about that on TikTok. So we should be friends over there as well. (laughs) The three biggest things I mentioned when I talk to sororities are some of the lies that I believed, but typically that's all rooted. And like I said, you know, I had this background of being a reckless, you know, teenager and 20 something meeting this incredible guy realizing, Oh, you know, the path I was on, didn't make sense to where I wanted to go. So all that led me to start mentoring. And so I've been mentoring now for about 15 years, sort of uh, high school students and then college students. And so I have coffee dates after coffee dates with young women. And we talk about breakups, finding your faith, all of that kind of stuff. And the coffee shop scene always goes something like this, you know, I'm sitting across our lattes and we're talking about all of the things and the beautiful 19 year old girl, the tears start to fall into her latte as she says something along the lines of, I thought he loved me, but, and that, but part, right. And I hear her cry and I hear the story 
And I know who she's crying over, first of all, because we're friends, of course, at this point. And I'm like, Tyler, really? You're crying over Tyler? Come on. (laughs) That's my first instinct. My second instinct is to kind of like want to reach across the coffee table and like, what is wrong with you? Don't you realize how beautiful you are? How you're a total package? How smart you are? How like everything you have and you're crying over that guy. But I don't strangle her. I don't go to the campus and grab Tyler up by his ear and give him a mouthful. I look at my friend with total compassion because I know I was that girl too. Looking for love and all the wrong fraternity boys, thinking if only if I was enough, if only I was prettier, if only, you know, only, 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 and never being enough, right? Trying to be everything for all the wrong guys. So what I see in my friend and what I see in myself now is I believe a lot of lies. And one of those lies I believed or fully didn't understand, um, the truth I should say that I didn't understand backed by lies, is that exclusivity is the fuel for romance, not experience. And let me unpack that. So I have never in the history of ever had a coffee date with a young woman who said, you know, Katie, what I'm really looking for is a guy to be an expert on a hundred girls on my campus. Gross. No, no way. No one is looking for that. A girl is looking for a guy to be an expert on her because exclusivity is the fuel for romance, not experience. There is a reason we love all those romantic movies and all those romantic songs. I will climb the highest mountain and swim the deepest sea for you and you only, right? We want to be seen as his one and only. And another lie that I believed or didn't understand is the lie of damaged goods. That if I had made some decisions that didn't serve me, if I had gone in a direction that didn't get me to where I wanted to end up, I should just keep going that direction and see what happens. Like we talked about, if I want to go to Florida, I need to drive south. If I accidentally turn west, should I just keep going and see what happens? I'll end up in California. I'm never going to end up in Florida. There are forks in the road every day and you get to decide what path you go on. I thought that my path was my destiny. I thought that there was no choice. And that is ridiculous and bonkers and just plain dumb. And I would go back and tell my younger self, you get to decide the path you want to go on. I don't care what happened last week, last month, last spring break. You get to decide where you're going today. Um, And the last lie, misconception, whatever you want to call it, is that I did not have a dating plan. And essentially the way I unpack that is an architect has a blueprint before they ever break ground. A business owner has a budget before the next fiscal year. Yet beautiful, incredible, world-changing women, I'm looking at your eyeballs right now, walk into one of the potentially biggest decisions of their life, a dating relationship with no plan. So we're gonna do a fun little interactive thing where we make a dating plan. And then you guys are going to open it up to lots of Q&A. But the way I like to do this is I have my handy dry erase board. And I want you guys to give me characteristics of of something that matters to you in a dating relationship. So now tall, dark, and handsome, obviously. But (laughs) I want you to dig a little deeper. When you are 30 and covered in baby spit up and you can't remember the last time you washed your hair, give me some characteristics of personalities that matter to you faithfulness faithfulness supportive let's do three more hardworking hardworking a sense of humor i like it motivated motivated awesome all right they sound hot they sound hot all right this is a good list you we are going to take a two minute interactive break Uh, i saw someone driving driving please ignore this but everyone else you are going to click on this little link i just put in the chat box and this is just a fun little interactive quiz it's going to bring you to a link at the end just just finish the quiz you don't have to worry about the link at the end um but this is just a way to define and spell out some things that matter to you. So yeah, that's just a fun way to like spell out what matters to you. I used to do this talk and I would do that part. People would be like, oh my gosh, you're like getting out a, p- a notebook paper. Like I need to write out what matters to me. And I'm like, let me make it easy for you. Do a little quiz. But here is the fun slash not so fun question I have. So it's awesome to make a list. It's awesome to write out some priorities. It's awesome to define what matters to you. But the hard question is, does that list describe you? Oh, snap. I had the opportunity to share this at a school in Alabama and, you know, did that little talk. And this girl was like, 
faithful and loyal and good with money. And, and then I said, okay, does this list describe you? And she was like, ah. <laughs> and it was funny because this was three years ago. Didn't think anything of it. Didn't even get to meet the girl in person. And she DMs me here recently. And she was like, I just want you know, you came to my school three years ago. You asked me that question. And I loved to hate you for it because I knew that I wanted all these things in a Prince Charming for him to sweep me off my feet. And I realized I was untrue and unfair. So I did a lot of work on myself and I'm happy to report. The reason she was reaching out is because she was engaged to an awesome guy. But I just want that to ask that hard question because my 20 year old self didn't realize that. I would have told you on paper, I wanted everything that my husband is, but I was not on the path as we talked about to, to, to find that kind of guy. So, all right, here is the rebuttal though that I hear. Okay, Katie, you make some good points. I hear you, I'm all about raising the bar and dating. But what if I never get married? Now, what if that narrows my dating pool? Um, the first answer is yes, it will narrow your dating pool. The guy who was sloppy drunk and only wants one thing is no longer a, an option for you. You are welcome. You do not lead a large dating pool. You need a smaller dating pool. I see some of y'all like, mm, she wrote about that. So I did a little homework on this and interviewed some guys actually. And this is from the lips of men. You would be surprised how many men agree with me when I say this, that they want to rise up and chase your heart. From the guys, he says, ladies, if you really want men to step up and become the real man you talk about, you must demand it. I'm not saying ask for it. I'm not saying hope for it. I'm saying demand it. What does that mean? It means you don't settle for anything less. It means if you aren't satisfied, you walk away. Men will rise up and meet your challenge, I promise. It is what we do best. We love challenges. We love it when women make a step up and work. The hardest part about this is the part I'm going to have to say five times to make sure you understand. You must be willing to walk away. You must be willing to walk away. You must be willing to walk away. Somebody put in the chat box, you must be willing to walk away. Another opportunity I got to speak to a school in Mississippi, shared this part and a girl came up to me afterwards and said, that was the permission slip I needed to end a four year long toxic relationship. I'm also happy to report we are still friends on Instagram and she is also in a very healthy relationship now. Yes, you must be willing to walk away. Ooh, baby. Uh, also love what you guys are putting in the chat box. So that is my little spiel on dating. I would love to open it now. I have told y'all the good and the bad and the ugly about my past dating. I'm glad to answer any more questions personally, what I've learned along the way, um, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm also actually colleagues with a PhD of sexual health. I get to meet with him once a week and I've learned all kinds of stuff about the science behind all of this too. So um, I'm an open book. I would love to chat with you guys about it. I have a question. Bring it. Um, I'm the one who's driving, sorry, so I'm not going to be looking, um, but like you said, what you just said, you just got to walk away, so I've kind of been going through that recently, and I'm driving home for that reason, but I was wondering, how do I get over feeling bad about not texting my ex back because I know it's not going to be good for me? Okay, yeah, I mean, I would say... I don't, you don't owe him anything is the, what first comes to my mind. I mean, I don't know the whole background of this relationship. He might be a great guy, but your feelings are not like his feelings are not your responsibility. So if he is hurt by it, you ultimately are in the driver's seat, pun intended, as you're driving home right now of your own life, of what, of your feelings, of what's in your best interest. And so if he's hurt by this decision, you know, I don't know what's all involved in the, history of why you're deciding to break up, but whatever is involved, if it's what's best for you, then that's really the end of the story. And his feelings are not your responsibility as, as blunt as that might sound. Does that help? Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. By the way, I love you dancing with me and Alicia Keys. I was picking up. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So me and my bo current boyfriend, we we're very happy together. However, I, I don't know if this is like the same topic, but like earlier in the week, I discovered that my love language is physical touch. And it just so happens that my boyfriend lives 2000 miles away from me in Utah. Wow. So I was wondering, how do I get over that barrier of not being able to see him every day? 
and not being able to fulfill my like my love language. Wow. Well, do you have another, like sometimes there's a secondary language. Do you know if you have a secondary language? Yeah, I do, but it's not as important. Like I just miss holding his hand, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's real. Do y'all FaceTime and do, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, It's so interesting. I was sorry. You're going to say something. No, we definitely FaceTime like every day. And that does help like in the beginning of this, like, cause he just moved out there in the beginning, it was awful. He was just too busy to FaceTime me. And then I sat down and had a conversation with him and he was like, no, I get it. Like, so now every single day we FaceTime. So yeah. that's definitely improved. And he is coming back soon, thankfully. He was just out there for an internship. Oh, good. But we do have a month. So I was wondering if you have any tips. Well, do you have an end in sight? So that's good. It's not like, and we're going to be like this for three years or something like that. So um, I think intentional time of just, you know, we have this Zoom call, this FaceTime, you know, at this time, intentionally having that time together is huge. And it sounds like you have that. But I was thinking about this the other day because it's really pretty recent human history that this has even been an option. I mean, think about our grandparents were never like, yeah, my boyfriend lives 3000 miles away because that, <laughs> that was not a thing. So it's interesting that, that that's even an option now. And I mean, it's great that we have technology and we can make all of this work. I think it's just requires more intentionality because it used to be your neighbors and your friends and your colleagues that you even knew that you didn't have the opportunity to date. So while, you know, your quote dating pool can be larger now, you just need to be more intentional with, yeah, having that time to FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. At least you have the end in mind though. That's good. Or the end, the end in sight. I like that intention. Yeah. I like that. I have a question. Yeah. So I've been dating this guy for a few months now and I can, I can say he's honestly the healthiest relationship I've like ever been in. Um, he's great and he's, he's full of goals, but one thing I've noticed is like recently he's been a little bit stagnant in like pursuing his goals. And like, I've noticed like he's kind of taken almost like a backseat on his life. And like, I kind of want to like light a fire under his bum, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to control him in any aspect for him to like, kind of like, you know, keep working towards his goals. Do you have any advice on like how I could like bring it up to him to like, keep pushing forward, but not sounding like controlling or trying to control him? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think that obviously when we're in those kind of conversations, whether it's a sister or brother or best friend or whatever, it it matters who it comes from. Right. And sometimes in a romantic relationship, it's, it's often harder to be like, Hey, I noticed you haven't gone to the gym or studied for chemistry or whatever it may be. You know, that's hard. I would encourage you just to what gets rewarded gets repeated. So anytime you do see like that above and beyond, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. You're so cute when you do whatever it is, you know, go to the gym or whatever it is you're looking for. And so praising, I've heard it said so many times, they're like, men are simple. We just want to make you happy. Like praising when they do what you're proud of, like would go a long, long way. So there's that. And then, yeah, I would steer away from hey, you need to get your crap together because that's not going to be received well. <laughs> also, live by example. You know, I, I'm just using working out as an example. Um, I don't know what you're talking about specifically, but say it's, hey, I just got this new app and it's really cool about being able to do a cool workout from home. Do you want to do it with me this Thursday? Like just something simple like that. Or, hey, um, I'm starting to be in a small group that's really challenging me to, you know, grow if you want to join me. Or or they have, there's a guys group too that meets on Tuesdays. Just offering that and just willing, you know, giving him opportunities instead of it's going to go a lot further. Not that you would do that, but you know, I know what you mean. (laughs) Awesome. You're asking great questions. This is so fun. All right. I have a question. So I know in like college is really interesting because a lot of people come from like all different backgrounds and it's kind of like not a melting pot, but a melting pot for like a lack of better terms with different like upbringings and everything. So when you enter into a relationship where you do feel like you're coming from like two different backgrounds, but are really like into the relationship, how do you like communicate through those kind of barriers where you feel like you're almost coming from different worlds at times, if that makes sense? Yes. And so funny, I was talking about this the other day um, when Ashley was talking about a long distance relationship. This is also pretty recent in human history because it used to be your village, which was local and your mama and your grandpa and your cousins all knew each other. And 
you grew up essentially the same, at least the same language, similar background, similar family values. And now, you know, we're meeting people with all kinds of melting pot and it's not good or bad or different. It's just, well, it is different. It's different than human history. So we're kind of getting used to all that. So I would say communication is key and clarity is kindness. Don't ever expect anyone to read your brain. Say for example, it's uh, upbringing or family upbringing. Hey, you know, I noticed your family um, has two kids and you guys never ate dinner together as a family. And, um, you know, your family had divorce and stuff. I grew up on a more traditional family and this is just what I'm used to. I'm not saying one is right or the other, but to me, a family eats dinner together and then we do the things to you. It's more on the go. And maybe that's gonna be a little bit of both. Maybe, maybe, you know, that's different values for different times, but clarity is kindness. And just having those open communication lines, I think is huge. And And also just asking out of curiosity, like I'm not asking to say which one's better or worse. I'm just curious, how did your family do this? I'm just curious what matters to you as it regards to faith or family upbringing or whatever, you know, there's so many different things I could talk about, but we grew up in different things and our, our normal, our world becomes our little normal. And then not until you get out of that, which as you said, in college is one of the biggest times for that. And you're like, oh, people do it this way. And there's other people who do it that way. And it's interesting. And that's how we learn and get out of our little bubbles and get out of our little world to to get to know people in different worlds, so to speak. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I'm going to bring up one thing real quick. This is just kind of interesting. I thought y'all might like, Um, I kind of alluded to it, but this is something I learned from my PhD friend. And it is that women are choosers and men are chasers. And that is true almost everywhere in the animal kingdom, although I believe humans are different than animals, but this is just biologically guys. All right. So we're going to get into like anatomy. (laughs) Women have far, far, far fewer eggs than there are men parts. Do you know what I'm saying? And just by that numbers alone, we have significantly less (laughs) eggs than they have little guys. So all that being said, and that is almost everywhere in the animal kingdom. So that's why women are choosers and men are chasers. But I mean, look at, like I said, those romantic songs and the romantic movies and the men that I've interviewed on the subject, they're like, we want to romance. We want to win a woman's heart. We want to feel like you are our girl by like pursuing and chasing and like winning your heart. It's all like part of the, it's all good. So anyway, just thought that that was kind of anatomically. Your anatomy is really cool. That's what I'm trying to say. Kind of actually, you just brought up another question and kind of going off like what you said about like in the movies and where it's all like glamorized in the movies. How do you say that we kind of, I don't know how exactly what the question, because it just came to my mind, but like with the comparison game and comparing ourselves to like these Hollywood movies or even like on TikTok where everything's so romanticized and everything, how do we not bring in those comparisons into our own relationships and set those expectations too high or something? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So I get it. And that's normal. But, you know, as you know, but we always need to be reminded that social media is a highlight reel. And I think it's interesting, too, when people say everyone is getting married. Remember, the logarithms are going to give those most liked and most commented posts, which are going to be the engagement and married and whatever pictures to the top of your feed, especially in your 20s. And so it's going to feel like everyone is getting married and they are not. It's just the a few close friends and the people you kind of know from high school, you know? So that's just a logarithm spot. It's not real life. And I have a whole thing about define your everyone because like really for everyone, it is not 725 on a... Wednesday night, you know, like think that's just not everyone is speaking English. There's so many things that are not everyone. I get on my high horse about this subject of everyone. But anyways, also to answer your question about the movies and stuff, I have my background is in marketing. So I always find this interesting, but rarely, maybe once upon a time, but very rarely, if ever, do people get together in a boardroom and they're like, I have an idea. Let's write a script to have an example and teach young people how to have healthy dating relationships. No, (laughs) they're thinking, how do I have 50 shades of questionable decisions? So people will be like, oh my gosh, and they'll show up at the box office and they'll buy the t-shirts and they'll wonder what all the fuss is about. And they'll get all this free marketing and advertising because people are talking about it and tweeting about it. And then money, 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 you know? So then when they're pushing the envelope and Again, they're not looking to, hmm, how can I best communicate to the 20-somethings what healthy relationships and healthy dating and marriage even looks like? 
which unfortunately leads us to a lot of wondering. And we're like, what is a healthy marriage? It's like a unicorn. I've heard stories about it, but it's not on TV. A lot of people don't have that as an example in their home. And so we're left looking to social media and TV and everyone's like, I think maybe it exists that I want it. I want it deep down, but how, where? So again, reason number 700, why I'm so passionate about the subject. How do you navigate like the hard moments in relationships? Like whether that be through like just a relationship or an, into marriage, like how do you go through those hard times without seeing like, seeming really redundant and like the supportiveness, like just saying sorry and stuff like that. I guess I would ask, you know, is this a relationship, obviously something that you're like in it for the long haul and you're both in it for the long haul. And that's so that's great because, you know, every relationship is going to have its junk, right? I mean, because you're two flawed human beings, depending on what it is, you know, obviously there's some things that are like, you know, I would say cheating is like, okay, red flag, red flag. You know, there's also some hard things, but assuming you're not talking about that, but just, just stuff. Two things. One is I always pray for um, my husband and I that the good is louder than the bad in our brains. And that's up to us, right? I think with everything, you know, like every human relationship, there is good and bad. And I always pray that we see the good quote louder than the bad. And I think that that's so powerful just because I'm a, I'm say stupid things and I do stupid things and I want him to see the good louder than the bad and vice versa. So, so there's that. And then if that's hard for you, if you're like, oh my gosh, this one thing is like, oh, you know, really getting under my skin. I'm a big fan of writing stuff down. And so this thing is getting in your skin. It's taking up enough mental real estate as it is. So write down all of the good, like, yes, he has this annoying habit or whatever, but the history of all of this good and that time he did this and the, and the way he wrinkles his nose, I don't know, like write down all of the things. And then you are making exercise or taking steps, making divots in your brain, as they say, to focus on the good. And then next time you see him, guess what? You're going to notice all those cute little things that you love. And those are going to speak louder because you've written them down. You've noticed them. You've taken a minute to, to think about that. And golly, if we all did that for each other, can you imagine? I heard one time that it's easy for us to say all the people who have hurt us, um, but what about the people who have healed us? And sometimes it's the same people. And sometimes it's like, oh, you, you've hurt me, you've hurt me, but have you also healed me? And have you also brought good to this relationship? Um, not that some relationships aren't worth saying goodbye to. Like we said, I don't want anyone in a toxic relationship, but if it's, if it's a good relationship, it's mutually respectful, um, then yeah, I would just say, focus on seeing the good louder than the bad. Um, I have a question. So me and my boyfriend are going to be like, in September, it'll be like three years. I've been with him for a while and I know a lot about him and like his like tendencies since I met him has like consistently struggled with mental health. Like I know he's really intelligent and he can be really motivated and passionate about the things that he's passionate about. But when he is in his like slumps, he lives in Georgia. That's where we're from. And I'm in Florida. And I hate that like, I can't help when I'm here and he's there. But like when he gets in these slumps, a, I don't know how to help, and B, he won't get help, and I want there to be change, but I don't know how to either, like, promote change or, like, how to get it going. I don't know. Well, I would say you can't change others. You can only change yourself. If he's struggling with mental health, you're not his savior, and you're not his counselor, and you're not his mama. <laughs> And you're coming from such a sweet place and you want to help him. And that is so kind, but you are not that role to help him with mental health stuff. So I would say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry that you're struggling with this. I'd love to help you, but I don't have the tools to know exactly what you're struggling with. And I want to see you get in a healthier place. Is there, is there someone that you can talk to about this? Is there someone, you know, counselors are wonderful people and we need to get over the stigma of counselors, right? I think that everyone, even in the most idealistic childhood, whole human could still use a little time on a counselor's couch. And yeah, I mean, whatever it is he's struggling with can only be made better by talking it out with someone. Um, even if it's like, you know, telehealth and stuff like that, there's so many tools now where it can be more attainable. Have you talked about that or have y'all talked about that at all? 
mean, I definitely, I've talked to him about like, hey, this hasn't really changed and it's not good for you. So what needs to be done or what could be done? And I just, I don't know. Well, if it keeps coming up, I mean, again, I think that you're coming from a really good place and wanting to help him, but if it keeps coming up, yeah, I mean, I would just, just say, I love you and I want to see you at your healthiest place and I don't have the tools in my tool belt. I'm not a counselor, you know, to, to do, you know, I say that, but like, I'm not equipped. I'm not trained <laughs> to understand and to help you with what you're doing. And even if, shoot, even people who are married to counselors still need an outsider <laughs> to help sort through all of those things. Because as we were talking about earlier, even if you'd had all the answers, the person as it's coming from a romantic partner, you know, isn't always received as well as it would be an outsider and having an outsider speaking into his best health is only going to be better for your future relationship as well. I've heard it said, there's no such thing as married problems. There are single people problems in a marriage because right. I mean, we all bring baggage. We all bring daddy issues, whatever it may be into a marriage and working through that and bringing our best self, doing the work because it's work, right? Doing the work of getting rid of all that and bringing that to a future relationship is like the best gift you can give. So perhaps phrasing it that way, like you can even say like, Hey, my upcoming birthday, you know, for me, for us, for you, I would love to see you at your healthiest. I love you so much when you, um, are free of all of this stuff that's plaguing you. And I want to see you free and for both of us, can you, and I don't know that therapy is the answer. I'm just saying whatever it is, whatever step that is to, to take that step because no one drifts toward better, right? Better takes work. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. Do you know I have lots more information where all of this dating advice came from? If you are on TikTok, give me a follow. I do lots of fun, interactive videos helping you to make sense of this often confusing world of dating. I also have a very popular online quiz about making a dating plan. Another one called How to Know If You Should Let Him Go. I also offer online mentoring and have a mini digital course all about making a dating plan. So you can find all the info at katiebulmer.life is my website and my social media handles, Instagram and TikTok are my two favorites. And I kept it simple. It's all Life on social media. I can't wait to connect with you on social. My DMs are always open. Now back to the episode. I have another question. Bring it. Um, so right now I feel like I've been having this saying where it's like, I feel like I'm in a fight with time, basically with, in the healing process of getting over this relationship. How would you say, what would you say to someone who wants time to speed up, but also knows that it's so important to live in the moment, but also know it takes time to heal? I hope this answers. My, my biggest advice as you get over a breakup is telling yourself what is true. So it sounds like if I'm correct, that you're doing the breaking up, maybe, um, whatever it may be in a breakup, there's a feeling of of rejection, um, on either side. Right. And so a lot of times we're like, Oh, like my life is over. (laughs) I'm hurt. I am less than like, I feel hurt in one way or another. And so that is very, as we said, loud in our brain. And I would, let those thoughts take the back seat. Like, even though they're screaming and I'm, like I said, I'm a big fan of writing stuff down, write down what is true. So is it true that you are still loved? Yes. Or is it true that you're so worthy? Is it true that you have an incredible future? Is it true that you're so very young and have so much ahead of you? And like, what is true about your life right now? And stop those loud voices that are screaming about the hard place that you're in. Be like, back on up. Cause I got to write down what is true in my life. So um, as it relates to a, a chase against time, I think that that's very, um, it seems like that when you're young. So I have to be sympathetic because I get it. Cause I remember feeling that way, but I'm 41 and I look at my 20 something friends who are like, Oh, time's running out. I'm like, you need to be rocked to sleep at night. You are still a little wee little infant. You have all the time in the world. <laughs> So I hope that kind of perspective helps you realize you have a lot of time, but as far as healing goes, writing down what is true about you, writing down what is true in your relationship, I think will be super helpful as it relates to healing from this breakup. Does that make sense? 
Yes, check the chat box. Kara just said, if anyone has a comfortable a question they're not comfortable sharing, um, you can DM Kara and we can share it anonymously. Thank you. That was helpful. Good. Thank you, Avery. Sorry, you, we were breaking up really bad too. So if you said something else that I missed, feel free to, all we heard was basically a race against time. Honestly, you kind of nailed it. So. <laughs> okay, good. I'll ask another question. Okay. So I know that there's kind of like this saying that like it's the right person, wrong time and everything. And so it's kind of hard to like be in that position where you do feel like you're at the right person, but it's not the right time. How do you kind of like navigate that? Would you say? Well, my first answer is the, the theory of the one, and I have to unpack that because it's, um, it's like the soulmate thing, right? So First of all, I believe that the soulmate business was made up by Disney. <laughs> um, actually, legit, it really was made up kind of in your the Greek era of the Cupid. And, and if we look back, we're like, oh, I want to believe the Cupid parks your heart. That's stupid. But we still hold on to this idea of soulmates, which was made up in the same mythology. So there's that. Um, but the reason why I think that that's silly is because Oftentimes what I see from people is um, they found the one, they married the one, everything's sunshine and roses, and they put so much weight on the one and everything's going to be better because I met them and my life is going to be better and they're going to heal all my broken places and, you know, everything's going to be better because of the one. Then they get married and they have bills and toddler tantrums and life and stress and they're like, oh, I just must not have married the one. And then they go look for another, the one only to repeat the same process. Because in reality, everyone has junk and everyone has problems and you're just keep going like that. You're just replacing one person's junk for another. And so that's why I I don't believe in that business. But um, as far as the timing thing, I mean, I think that, Timing is really when you are both ready to link arms and ready to run a race together. So if, if we're talking about marriage and I don't necessarily think that there's a certain age. I mean, I used to think that, oh, wait as long as you can, but I've seen a lot of really healthy marriages start really young. I've seen a lot of really healthy marriages start later in life. I don't think that there is a magic number. And I do know that there is no race or trophies for first place or trophies for getting married in your forties or fifties. Like there's no formula. It is when you have found the person you want to run the race with called life. And and it is, and it's running toward the same goals. And it's someone who can be like, um, and I definitely believe in this idea of unconditional love because I've been married for 16 years. And, you know, there have been times when we both wanted to kill each other. There have been times when we both like, oh my gosh, I've never been more in love with you. And I, there's a quote from a song called a journey song, an old rock song. It says, I get the joy of rediscovering you because in 16 years we've changed. We've grown. We're not the same people. We're not the same. We're not the same jobs. We've grown to find out each other in new roles, in new cities as parents, as parents of babies and then of preteens and all of that is good. And we get to grow and change and get to rediscover each other. But if we're like, I, you know, it's so crazy because we're like the prom king and the prom queen, like, oh, they're perfect match in that teeny tiny little bitty bubble in high school. And maybe they're a great match and maybe they meet and they want to do this thing called life and that's fine. But to say they're a great couple in that teeny tiny bubble is very, very short-sighted. You know what I mean? So having a more long-term, like we, we are together for the long haul. We are through thick and thin through the job changes and the stress and the rich and poor. I mean, those vows are legit. You know, we've been at all sickness and health and all that stuff. And not just that short-sighted of, Oh, but he's cute. And we are sister fraternity and sorority. Like so much more to that. It was like, you know, 50 years. Um, and while I'm on my high horse about like short-term thinking, and this is not what you asked, but so many people also, I see young people get caught up in engagement and wedding and, oh, like it's so fun. And it is so fun and enjoy that stage. But I have seen far too many people get caught up in the wedding and forget about the marriage. And we need to remember, we are putting so much weight on a day and not a lifetime and weddings are excited. And I want you to be excited like when that happens for you one day or when that happens for your friends, but just 
get a healthy perspective because my friends who went to the courthouse and spent 50 bucks versus my friends who spent $90,000 on a wedding are just as married and or just as divorced. <laughs> um, the, the marriage is what you need to focus on, not the Instagram pictures and the fruit parfait that will be served at the wedding. <laughs> we have a question that I just wanted to give voice to. So um, in a situation where you're in a relationship and one of the partners has cheated, how do you kind of make the decision to move on with the relationship and choose trust over like ending the relationship and just kind of how you navigate that situation? Deciding to stay with the person even though they've cheated? Yes. Yes. Um, well, again, communication. Um, you know, my first thought would be not to stay together. However, if you made that decision, then obviously you've had a long talk about it and you think that there can be trust rebuilt. And I do believe that trust can be rebuilt, but that is work. That is not something that you, uh, you know, I said it before, you don't, no one drifts toward better. If that decision was made, it was made for some reason. And so what steps, what work, what trust, what work needs to be built to have a healthy relationship, number one, and what, work needs to be done to rebuild trust because that's been broken and that's okay to admit that. And it's okay to talk about that. Um, and so to say, you know, I trusted that we were in exclusive relationship and your actions did not support that. How can you show me henceforth and forevermore, if that's where we're going, that, you know, or or clearly communicate the intentions. Are you in this for, uh, are you marriage minded? Are you like long-term thinking or is this, you know, just having fun and, have a subject on that too. <laughs> just having fun. I guess I get frustrated with the just having fun because of course you're just having fun. You get to know each other, date and all that kind of stuff. But what I see very often is, oh, Katie, I'm not worried about that. I'm just having fun. Well, six months down the road, if emotions, if intimacy, if friends, if all the stuff gets wrapped up, if y'all break up, is it still just fun? And so just dating with clear intentions. So back to this conversation, clearly define your intentions. Are you in this for the long call? Are you wanting to head toward marriage or head toward, you know, you guys being together for a long time? If that's the case, then again, work on rebuilding that trust. And what's that going to look like and having constant communication, um, having them tell you, you know, I mean, I don't want to say check up on you because that sounds like you're a mother or whatever, but you know, they're going to have to rebuild trust is what I'm trying to say. And I think that I would keep that relationship at a, um, a little bit arm distance for a minute as you kindly, um, supportively, not naggingly, like I believe in you and I trust you and I want this to work. And I believe that you can rebuild the trust, but it's going to have to be proven with love, with compassion, um, cheering them on, but not giving your whole heart away as that's being rebuilt. I have a quick question. Yes. Go for it, Jennifer. Okay. Bouncing off of like the soulmate thing that you were saying earlier, I feel like I place too much emphasis on that. If that makes sense. Like for instance, a couple of months ago, I went on a date with a guy and I'm always expecting there to be like fireworks and for me to be like, Oh my God, like this is it. And the guy was like really sweet. He asked me out on a second date and like I declined it because I like didn't feel those fireworks. But now looking back months later, I like still regret not going on that second date. It's like in the future, how can I go about that if initially I'm not like wooed by the person, even though it like wasn't a bad date, if that makes sense? Yeah, it makes sense. This is interesting for me because I was the girl who like settled, you know, and I was like, oh, he paid me attention. Therefore, yes, let's go on every date. And so I have one of the conversation of don't settle, don't settle, don't settle. And then there's the conversation of he's a human and he's flawed and there are not going to be Disney fireworks and um, white curtains and star works, you know, stars aligning every time you go on a date. So somewhere in the middle, um, we have reality, right? And that is where yeah, I wouldn't put so much at a pedestal. I think that we put so much on this pedestal, this like, man, you know, this, oh, he's going to sweep me off my feet and knight in shining armor and stuff and just get to know him. And remember that it is, it is a hard to be a dude. It is hard to pursue a girl, um, to 
oh my gosh, is she going to reject me if I, if I take her out or if I don't take her out, if I do the right thing. And we put a lot of pressure on guys and, you know, I feel sorry for guys a lot of times. And so respecting that, that it's hard to do all of that and honoring that he is trying to romance you and take you out and stuff like that. And if there's no fireworks and all those, that that's movies, that's just movies, schmovies, and just getting to know that person as a human and know that they are real and that they bleed just as red as you do. And that it's almost a little bit even more romantic when like something goes wrong on a date and it's like not as shiny and pretty as it is in the movies, because that just means you're both human. So yeah, I mean, like, again, like I said, raise the bar, demand respect, let men honor you, but remember he's still a human and like, you know, just level that playing field and just be real. I hope that helps. Okay. Thank you. And last thing, like, would you recommend I like reach out to him? Sure. Or no? Okay. I, don't think, I think that's right. Yeah. And, um, so I don't know if y'all know this. So in the Victorian era, um, if a woman was interested in a guy, she they had handkerchiefs because that was a the thing. They would drop the hanky in the middle of this like big party or whatever. And that was like the sign for the guy to come up and talk to her. And it was like the green light, like, hey, I think you're cute. Come talk to me which was so freeing for guys because now they have to go up to you and it's like this, Oh, are they, is the girl, all of her friends going to attack me? Like, are they going to shun me? And it's hard to be a dude. Right. And I, I'm all, I love chivalry. I love a woman asking, I mean, a guy asking a girl out, but help a guy out too. And he's already asked you on a date. He already asked you on a second date. And so I think it'd be nice to be like, Hey, just thinking about you. Just curious if you'd like to get coffee sometime. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Drop the hanky. Drop the hanky. I think I will. Good. I totally love that phrase, drop the hanky. I think I'm going to incorporate it in my daily life now. Um, But we have another question that I want to bring boys to. So how do you avoid a tendency to kind of self-sabotage when something isn't exactly what you pictured in your head? So for example, he's like an amazing guy, but you also pictures yourself dating someone else maybe with different characteristics. Yeah, this is kind of like what we were just talking about. We have such high expectations. And, you know, again, I'm all about making a list. I'm all about defining what matters to you. But again, we're talking about flawed humans who are not going to be this romantic, like um, Cinderella thing that we have in the movies. And, you know, again, remember movie makers, they are out to make money. They are not out to exemplify what healthy relationships look like, or even be realistic. They're out to get your dollars. So have high standards, but write down what's realistic. So it sounds to me, this is just a paraphrase. This is a good relationship. He's a good guy. He treats you with respect, but you picture something different. I don't know what the different is, but I don't know, maybe write down, like I said, I'm all about writing stuff down. If what you, what you had in your mind is you match, you danced into the sunset on matching unicorns, then that's not realistic. (laughs) If, um, I don't know what it is, but just clarifying, you know, what is important and the the non-negotiable, the only non-negotiable I say is I think that you need to have shared faith. Um, and not everyone agrees with me on that and that's okay. But I think that that is the only one non-negotiable and there's so much else. I mean, like, you know, I'd like to have a hard worker. I'd like to have someone with blue eyes. Like those are all trivial. And again, think about long-term because, you know, I, I'm trying to think like, um, my husband, if he married me because I was cute when I was 20, cool. But what about when I'm 60? And, you know, like, are we still going to be together? So thinking about long-term and there's so much more. And what if you, oh, I, I want to marry the guy who's the football star. Cool. But he's not going to be a football star when he's 60 either. So I don't know if that helps, but I'm all about like long-term thinking. So whatever you have in your mind, will that matter in 20 years? I guess is one question. And number two, what, if you had in your mind, is it realistic? Is it relatable? And never lower your standards, but you know, <laughs> just have some non-negotiables. What define what those are, and then everything else is just kind of like see how it goes. And then also, you know, personality can win out over over looks. Looks are important though. I'm all in favor of many cute boys, but um, but I guess decide what matters, and then you can wait out from there. 
Oh my gosh, sorry. No, you're good. I thought you had a question. No, I do have a question. I don't know how I got on mute. <laughs> um, there's people studying in the room that I'm in. So yeah, they're talking about stuff. Um, anyway, so my question was, um, it's sort of similar to Hazard's question or Elizabeth. Yeah, what's her name? Um, her question, but like, I'm a very motivated person and very like future oriented. And I've always had like a plan for like my future, my career, like I'm going to graduate. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I've been in a relationship for over two years now. And like, he has a plan, like he's going to graduate, like he has a career plan, but like, it's just, he's like moving at a slower pace than I am. And like, obviously like I, there's no way he's going to be like to my level of like motivation and like getting things done and like being a perfectionist. But like, how do you advise being like patient with that? Like I have seen a lot of effort. I've seen a lot of change in him since day one because he was really just not trying at all. And I've seen a lot of change, but it's just not happening quickly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that was kind of similar to her question. Um, um, you said that you see effort and that's the biggest thing. I think that if you were just like, and there was no effort, that'd be like mm, red flag. But remember men mature slower than women. So stinks for us, but it's... <laughs> the way it is, especially in your age group, um, especially that 20 something, because they're just a little bit more behind mentally and all that kind of stuff. So if you see effort, that's huge because you never know where that might end up. I always joke because I'm, my husband and I are, are similar, well, similar to what you're talking about. I'm the person who jumps into the deep end to learn how to swim. I'm like, I'm just going to jump in. I'll figure it out. I'll drown a few times, but by golly, I'm going to figure this daggum thing out. And he'll sit by the pool with his toe in reading 12 books on how to swim. However, a lot of times we end up in the same place because while I'm diving in and figuring it all out and frustrated, he, when he finally jumps in, he at least knows what he's doing. So I don't know if that this is similar to what you're walking through, but if he's making progress, that's the biggest thing. And then, yeah, I mean, I guess you could see like how that progresses once you get a little further along and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, cheer mom's first progress. As I said earlier, what gets rewarded gets repeated. So we're not like, you know, mommying our boyfriends or whatever, but encouraging when you see positive goes a long, long way. So like do a backflip when you see the good things. <laughs> Someone asked in the uh, chat box, this is really out there, I know, but a dragonfly just landed right in front of me on my window. I looked up, then it flew away. Dragonfly symbol symbolized self-realization, transformation, and faith among difficulties. And I thought that was a pretty cute thing to happen during this discussion. Emma, I love that. Thank you for sharing. I did not even know that. My mom loves dragonflies. Who knew? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just have another question. Okay, so what are your thoughts about venting to your friends about your significant other? My first thought is I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, uh, this is tricky because obviously if you're going to say a lot of bad things and then they're going to end up, they might end up like get away from him, you know? So I think it's normal to be like, oh, you know, whatever. Because again, we are humans and all of us are flawed and all of us are going to be frustrating. And it's okay to be like, oh, I wish you would have done this. And I'm frustrated about that. I mean, for the most part, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, uh, I would talk with respect though. You know, I would be like, for example, oh my gosh, you know, Joey for showed up to class or forgot to show up to class today. I knew he would do that. Nope. Don't say that. Let me rephrase. Joey did not show up for class today looking for the best in him, but you know, I know he had a really long night with his fraternity project. Um, I got to remind him to make sure that's a priority or I don't know, just rephrasing how you talk about him, talk about him with respect always. And then, re and then that retrains re your brain too, because if we're all the time like, oh, he's such an idiot, or oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that. Then what are you going to think? And then what are they going to think? So it's okay to vent, but then try and see the good or why he thought that. Because I've, I've read a book called Cherish and it says the number one reason um, couples actually uh, stand the test of time, the most longevity in relationships is when they assume the best in each other. So instead of like, oh my gosh, he's late. He's always late. He's such a scum bucket. It's like, oh, he's late. I bet he overslept. I bet there was traffic. Um, I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation of why he's late in assuming the best instead of assuming the worst. That's like the number one indicator of how relationships last. So 
little tidbit. I have a question. Okay, so I just recently, for like about a month now, um, have been dating this guy, and I met him back in October. So like we've known each other for a while, but we like officially started dating for a month, and everything's been like great. And um, like my friends have met him and everything, and he's like way better than any guy I've met in college thus far. But for the past like week and a half, he's been kind of like almost dissing I would say like he normally always takes a long time to respond to like text messages and things like that just because like he's not really attached to the hip with his phone but this week especially I feel like like last week I'm talking about especially it's been like sometimes it'll be like five hours like and he won't answer my text messages and I'm like all day and I'm like what is he doing like why is he ignoring me and then like we were supposed to hang out one day and then like I didn't hear from him all day and he like thought that I was aggravated about something so he just like didn't show up and then when I had tried to like express that like I don't like the feeling of being ignored he was like well it's not that like I'm ignoring you it's that like I have a lot of stuff going on or like I'm not always on my phone which like he's not but at the same time when it's like multiple hours go by and I don't hear from someone, like I almost overthink it and I'm like, okay, well what's going on? And I tend to like go back and compare like things with this relationship and like my old relationship and be like, well, he's doing this, which is what like my ex-boyfriend did and all this. So like, how do I go about um, like not comparing things between relationships one and then like two, um, like not always overthinking everything because I tend to do that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That just means you're a girl. That's okay. Everyone does that. So someone else answered this, and this is actually even a better answer. um, And that is tell yourself what is true because you said that you are, you know, comparing what happened in past relationships to this one. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't texted you back in five hours. Okay, cool. But he is not your Um, ex-boyfriend. He is not someone who was attached to his phone. He is just like a, you know, like, like my husband barely even has a social media. Like he did, you know, some people are just not into it and that's a good thing and that's fine. So what is true about him? You know, he's a busy guy who doesn't really care much about his phone, even though it's almost like unheard of in 2021, especially with girls. Cause we're always like, you know, attached to our phone. Where'd you go? <laughs> the zoom moved. <laughs> um, but so tell yourself what is true about this relationship. And then, you know, just, text him. And when he responds, he responds. Um, if it's something is urgent, which, you know, most, most of life is not urgent. Right. But if you like, Hey, quick answer, or, I need a quick answer on this, but for the most part, I, I wouldn't think that you would, right. It's just like a, you know, general conversation. Um, but are y'all like dating or you have regular like times that you go out and stuff? Okay. So that's another thing. So <laughs> like we'll hang out like occasionally, like, and we've gone out like with my friends and stuff, But this past, like, week and a half, I saw him once for, like, just about two hours when we were supposed to hang out, like, other times. And it's just been, like, weird because, like, I'm not used to dating someone and not spending time with them. And, like, I like to spend time with people even if we're, like, not doing anything, just, like, sitting in a room, just, like, chilling. But so it's, like, weird because sometimes we will and sometimes we won't. And, like, now that we haven't for the past week, it's, like, why like what's going on like blah 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 blah. (laughs) I would back off and let him pursue you because if he's into it he's going to ask you out he's going to um text you he's going to um and I'm sure you want him to do that and that's normal and like that would feel good but if for some reason he's like MIA wash your hands of it. You are an incredible girl who deserves to be pursued and loved. And maybe he feels that way. He's just a busy dude. who's kind of aloof and that's fine. But if he is not pursuing you and making you have all these questions, and this is still pretty early in the relationship, that's not a good settling. That's a very unsettling feeling. And so I would be like, just back off and let him pursue you. And if that he does cool. And if he doesn't, Yeah, I like I have a bad tendency. Like I know I should like back off and like see what they'll do, but I have a very bad tendency de- tendency to just be like, oh well, he's not responding, so I'm just gonna text him again. <laughs> yeah, that's normal. I mean, yeah. And I think that all of that is normal, but just that's my suggestion. 
Let okay. him pursue you. you. You are worthy of romance. <laughs> you are worthy of pursuit. Thank you. Of course. Uh, Kara reached out to originally, we were going to talk about um, my normal talk about sorority girls can change the world. Um, but then she mentioned dating specifically. I'm like, wait, what? Yes, we can talk about dating. <laughs> so I love talking about this. This is so fun. No, I have loved your answers. And I, I just want to thank you again for coming and speaking with us. And is there any like lasting thoughts that you have or like anything that you really want to hammer home from this discussion? Well, I would just say, I don't want this conversation to end here. I have a podcast called truth for your twenties, where you guys are going to be on March 30th, by the way, a lot exciting about that. I have lots more related conversations. Basically everything about it is to be who I needed when I was younger. I'm going to um, shamelessly put my social media handle right here so we can stay in touch. My DMs are always open. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me girls. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Everything I do started with having coffee dates with my younger friends. And this podcast I like to imagine is just that you and I having a coffee date. And if it went by too quickly for anyone else besides just me, there are plenty more episodes to check out in the archive. So just scroll up, find a topic that suits your fancy and give it a listen. If an episode made a difference in your life, take a screenshot, share it on social, give me a tag at Katie Wilmer Life so I can give you a big virtual hug. And leaving those reviews on iTunes is a chai tea latte to my soul to see your reviews. And thank you so much for each of you who keep coming back week after week and getting some truths for your 20s. Hi, I'm Hannah. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. And my work here is done.